the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. Thank you for listening. In a moment, I'm going to play for you a a clip from the head coach of the New England Patriots who uh, told the press conference, if you don't see color, you can't see racism. If there's ever an Orwellian phrase uttered, I have to say that man who reflects the entire world of the left has said something so absurd. So let me understand, the more you see color, the less racist you are, right? Isn't that the upshot of that statement? Right. Well, look, if if you don't see color, you can't see racism. So the more you see color, the less you see racism. Why isn't that the upshot? So I'm thinking, I'm thinking of uh, the ultimate expression of racism in history, of the the annihilation of the Jews of Europe by the Nazis. So can you imagine a Jew having said, "If you don't see a Jew, you can't see anti-Semitism"? Wasn't the Jews wish that they didn't see Jews? Wasn't the dream of a Jew in Europe under the Nazis that you are religion blind, race blind, ethnicity blind? You have to understand not only is everything the left does destructive, it's meaningless. It's intellectually vapid. The The universities are have been taken over by intellectual lightweights and they produce morons like the coach of the New England Patriots. It's a staggeringly stupid comment. This is Ibram X. Kendi's whole appeal. See race, see race, see race. Then you're then you're not racist. Holy crow, and you know who buy it? The college educated. We'll be having a video coming out, PragerU, on behalf of the of the beautiful doctrine called colorblind. I wrote a piece for, for my column many, I don't know, not many years ago, a few years ago, about 
how I so fell in love with America in my 20s and 30s. And I wrote about my experience in a, at that time, a very small city called Simi Valley. Today it's a big city or medium-sized city, but a, but a bustling city. In California, this is the place I moved to when I first came in my 20s from New York City. I joined the Rotary Club in that town, and I was the only Jew in the club, and I, I wrote a piece about how beautiful it was and what a statement it was about America, that it was no big deal. They were, in, in effect, religion blind or ethnicity blind. I was Dennis, not Dennis the Jew. This fool, uh, who was the head coach of the New England Patriots, he wants to be known as Jared the Black. See? And that, that's, that's your identity? That's it? You're not Jared Mayo? You're Jared the Black? Gerard? Oh, thank you. Gerard. Have you ever heard the name before, by the way? I love names. I'm curious. Gerard? The head coach of one of the most important franchises in sports, and and the guy is just suffering racism. A poor thing. You have to understand, most kids in college, most professors, that's more important, most professors at universities believe that that statement is a valid one. If you don't see color, you can't see racism. The Ku Klux Klan see color, Nazis see color, and the left sees color. On racial matters, the left and the Ku Klux Klan are essentially the same. They both believe in black dormitories. And they get away with it because they suppress speech like mine. That's why. That's why they hate PragerU. We advocate colorblind. They hate us. I mean, you have no idea how much. We have the audacity to allow kids to see five to seven minute videos on goodness. We don't crap on America. That's our number one sin. All right, here he is, Gerard Mayo, staggering fool. I do see color because I believe if you don't see color, you can't see racism. And whatever, whatever happens, black, white, disabled person. I've always, even someone with disabilities, I always, uh, you know, for the most part, people are like, you know, don't, you know, when they're young, they, they kind of make the spot hot. Younger people know what that means. I don't, by but, the way. Well, hold on. What does that mean, make the spot hot? Sean, you're, you're in touch with popular culture. What does that mean? To bring attention to, to the, the, okay, go on. What I would say is, like, no, I want you to be able to go up to those people and really understand those people. So it goes back to whatever it is, black, white, yellow, it really doesn't matter, but it does matter so we can try to fix a problem that we all know we have. Wait a minute. It really doesn't matter, but it does matter. 
See, this is word salad, folks. This is word salad. And do you know that the vast majority of the reporters there thought that was intelligent? Because sports reporters are among the stupidest group of people ever created. They're terrific in writing about sports, and otherwise, they tend to be morons. These are the people who clamored for, for the Washington Redskins to change their name when American Indians, Native Americans, didn't give a damn. The Washington Post's own report on it showed that American Indians didn't care. But Washington Post sports writers were livid because they have empty lives. They wake up and they think, all I do is report on sports. Wow, I have to make a difference. That's, by the way, that is exactly what the all the... Every leftist leftist thinks, oh, I don't make a difference, so now I'll make a difference. Now it's the, not the Washington Redskins. What is it, the Washington what? Commanders. Oh, well, it's really, it evokes such deep, deep meaning. So they made a difference, but it makes no difference, the difference they made. Was that the end of his statement? So I don't understand. You see a white, yellow, white, black, yellow person, and what? And what do you do? How does it feel to be black? Hey, how you doing today? How's it feel to be black? Hey, great, great to see you're yellow. Wanted you to know. I didn't. I didn't think of you just as a fellow human being. I thought of you as yellow because Gerard Mayo, the uh, head coach of the. New England Patriots, and all the sports writers agree with that. I don't know what bothers me more, the evil, the destruction, the utter destruction of everything noble that the left does, or their sheer intellectual stupidity. You cannot be a clear thinker and be a leftist. It is not possible. You can be a liberal. You can be a conservative. You cannot be a leftist. You have rendered yourself an intellectual moron. This was perfect. This I, I actually have to almost thank this uh, this coach. I'd like to keep this, uh, Sean. Just those opening words. They're they're precious. They're up there with the New Zealand prime minister. If you don't hear it from us, it isn't the truth. These are the summary statements of the time in which we live. Well, talking about race, when we get back, come back, I'm going to uh, share with you Census Bureau statistics on household income in the United States by ethnicity slash race. I think you'll find uh, find it odd what uh, the head coach of the New England Patriots said about race. Why doesn't he talk about sports? So it's Seb Gorka and Mike Gallagher, my two colleagues, two of my colleagues at Salem, who told me about the PhD weight loss program. Uh, and the only reason I took them seriously is because they lost so much weight with it and it stayed off. So I have discipline in eating. It has never really been an issue, just I haven't been able to lose weight and I've always wanted to. 
And sure enough, I've tried it. And now, let's see, it's uh, basically two pounds a month and six months. They, they did it faster. But I'm, I'm amazed that I've been able to do that. And it's no pills, no injections, just solid science, no shortcuts, coaching from them. Go to phdweightloss.com or just call them 864-644-1900, 864-644-1900, or go to myphdweightloss.com. Oh, God, I tell you, I know people don't like if I say, oh, God. They think I'm taking God's name in vain. I'm not taking God's name in vain. If these don't, these things don't elicit, oh God, what does? Anyway, that's not the commandment. The third commandment in the Ten Commandments is do not carry God's name in vain, meaning do not do evil in God's name. I explained that at length in my commentary on the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Exodus, the Rational Bible. I am two weeks away from finishing the fourth of the five volumes. It's turning out to be a ten-year project. Two weeks away. The fourth book of the Bible is Numbers. Its real Hebrew name is In the Wilderness. That's what it's about. We spend our life in the wilderness. It's a fantastic metaphor for life. Census Bureau, in 20, through the 2021 median household income. The By far, the group of Americans that has the highest median household income is Indian Americans, Americans from India. I have as much uh, anger at uh, American Indians, talking again about Americans from India, not, not American, Native Americans, as I do with my fellow Jews who are on the left. How could a country that has treated you so well get so much contempt from you, which the left has. All leftists have contempt for America. Liberals have always loved America, and so have conservatives. Liberals vote for the left, and that's why, in some ways, they are the most damaging group of all, because they know better. But they don't want to know better, so they don't know better. Isn't that amazing? Racist America, the, the richest group by media, household median income is Indian Americans by far. Second, Taiwanese Americans. Yeah, that, the old the bigotry in America. Uh, uh, the third, Filipino Americans. Fourth, Chinese Americans, Pakistani Americans. Chinese Americans, Japanese Americans, Korean Americans, Thai Americans, Nepalese Americans, Vietnamese Americans, and then down the list is white Americans. Two, four, six, eight, ten. It's about tenth on the list. Amazing. 
the lowest uh, here is of medium income is one third of Indian Americans is Black Americans. So, you know what? I don't. There was something very uh, badly missing from this list. They don't have Nigerian Americans or, or any African Americans. You know, those have come here from Africa in the last few generations. I, I don't understand the list for not uh, for not including that. So it's um, it's not a full list as far as I'm concerned. I'd like to know why they why they omitted it. The Epic Times, which is a great newspaper, E P O C H Epic. CDC drafted alert for myocarditis and COVID-19 vaccines, but never sent it. This just came out yesterday. In May 2021, CDC officials drafted an alert on myocarditis and the two most widely used COVID-19 shots, according to a newly obtained document being made public for the first time by the Epic Times. Dr. Joel Walskog, co-chair of the Vaccine Injured Advocacy Group, REACT-19, told the Epic Times via email, quote, This censorship of a proposed alert in May of 2021 is just one more example of our regulatory agency's repeated pattern of behavior to censor any information that serves to counter the narrative that the COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective. The agency also hid a warning from Israel, the country that first vaccinated young people who faced the highest risk of myocarditis from COVID-19 vaccination. As of this point, I assume only God knows if the vaccines did more harm or more good. I don't. I don't know. However, I worry a lot about young people, including my two children, who were vaccinated. One because his job was threatened, he would be fired, and it will be an everlasting pain in my my heart that I didn't think to just say, I will pay the money until you are rehired or find another job. I didn't think to say it, and it, uh, I hope it doesn't come to haunt me or him. There is no institution in the United States of America that the left has not ruined. Let's put it this way, where the left is in charge, that it has not ruined, and it's in charge of virtually everyone. All they do is harm. It's painful to say. Back in a moment. Dennis Prager here with a man I have come to admire for his work. So when I asked him, what do you do? This is the title he gave, Wealth Architect. Very simply put, I am a wealth architect that helps my clients accelerate the way they grow your wealth. 
It's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. The Internal Revenue Code is embedded with a number of things that you can take advantage of. It's what I call playing tax chess. We take the time to play tax chess in your favor. We tend to give our clients unbiased, independent advice across all areas in their financial life because we have no incentive to sell anything. We can't just take your information, say in February or March, prepare the returns and say, oh, these are the things you should have done. It's too late. You need to meet with me now. Because oftentimes, after the close of the calendar year, some of the strategies that we implement in your financial life can't be implemented retroactively. You have, in fact, saved me a serious amount of money. Head to charlesdombeck.com slash Prager to schedule your meeting today. I have a report here that is, is actually so amazing that... It's almost unbelievable. Where is this from? The L.A. Times, no less. Which probably, I sure, agrees with the judge, I have no doubt. In Beverly Hills, this is the headline, No kitchen remodels or pool grottos as judge orders building moratorium over lack of affordable housing. H- how can you order people not to not to remodel their kitchen. The ease with which freedom can be crushed uh, is truly scary. The, the land of the free and the home of the brave is not is neither, neither of the two. There are brave individuals, and there are individuals who cherish freedom, but the the average American is no longer brave nor free. Or gives a damn about freedom, I should say. They don't care. What percentage, could you look it up, what percentage of Beverly Hills votes Democrat? I I really want to know. Because, see, if it's a very large percentage, I'm actually happy about the ruling. You should, you know what they say, you get what you pay for? How about this? You get what you vote for. So this is written by the, the newspaper that agrees, of course, with this, the Los Angeles Times. Projects that cross the transom of the Beverly Hills. What's a transom? Transom is something over the door. Over the door? Yeah, it's like a little window over a door. So it's an old term. It's not, a, hmm. it's not something that happens now. Projects that cross the transom of the Beverly Hills Building Department include the extravagant pool grottos and bowling alleys, as well as the more quotidian kitchen and living room upgrades. In recent months, the city approved a $100,000 basement spa in the $125 million mega mansion owned by WhatsApp co-founder Jan Coom. Exterior upgrades for an $80,000 a month rental and a $130,000 kitchen and bathroom remodel in a home purchased a week before for $6.7 million. Now any similar home improvements desired by Beverly Hills property owners are under threat. Last month, Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Curtis A. Kinn, who does not believe in the American belief in freedom, I added that, blocked the city from issuing all building permits except for new residential developments as a penalty for Beverly Hills' failure to approve a sufficient blueprint for affordable housing. 
So let me let me understand something. You you are now banned by a judge. Leftist judges really do believe in, in a certain divine power that they have and have always believed in this. This is since 1962 and the, I think, the most crushing decision since, uh, since Dred Scott. And that, that was uh, the ban of the non-denominational prayer in New York State schools by the, was that Earl Warren's court in 1962? Was that Earl Warren? What did Eisenhower say? That was the stupidest mistake he has ever made. Um, was appo- appointing him? Yeah, but that's um, that statement I've now found. Oh, it's not true. Oh, good. Okay, I I love knowing yeah. when well, I, I, I will I've never always, repeat I've it. Always thought it, and it turns out it turns out it was true. <laughs> that, it was not true. that he said it, but it was right. among the stupidest, perhaps the stupidest. He was governor of California, correct? Earl Warren. Yeah. This is an amazing thing. Now, let me understand. uh, Somebody needs to explain this to me. I, my assumption is, uh, and I, I was never wealthy. I'm doing fine today, but I was never wealthy. And my assumption was, it was a given. There were certain areas I couldn't buy a house in. So I buy a house in another area. That's how other areas develop. That's exactly it. We'll be back. This whole affordable housing thing is is communism at work. Who the hell is a legislature to tell any place you must build the following types of houses? Uh, on, uh, economically speaking, now now you know how Mao did his collectivizing and Stalin did the collectivizing, because suckers like this this uh, arrogant judge Curtis A. Kin. Yeah, you can't remodel your kitchen in Beverly Hills until you build houses so that your values depreciate and crime goes up. That's that's what basically. Uh, is being said. Who the hell is is uh, are the Democrats? Well, I'll tell you what they are. They're neo-communists. To tell people, to tell a city what type of housing economically it should have. What does it mean, affordable housing? What is the number? You will build X number of houses that cost $400,000 in a city where the median house is, what, $2 million or whatever it might be? Who the hell are you to, to order that? The arrogance of the left is is truly unparalleled. Trump is humble compared to, to this judge. He speaks arrogantly, but he didn't preside arrogantly. Officials are appealing the decision. By the way, half of Beverly Hills votes Democrat. I feel bad for the other half. You're stuck with foolish people. 
Officials are appealing the decision and say they're continuing to process permits as normal. But the potential ramifications on home and business owners and the construction industry have left civic leaders aghast. But you see, Judge Kin doesn't give a damn about plumbers and contractors and builders and construction workers. He probably doesn't know one other than a plumber who might visit his home. I will feel good about myself and impose what I want on you. That's it. I told you the the uselessness of the the human conscience. He sleeps well at night. Now, it's an odd thing. Got to think about the conscience for a moment. I sleep well at night, and I'm sure Judge Kin sleeps well at night. I think he's ruining Beverly Hills, and he thinks I am in, in uh, hate the, the poor. So we can't both be right, and yet we both sleep well. It shows you the uselessness of the conscience. How about what's your value system, and do you use reason? I'm shocked by the judgment, said Murray Fisher, a real estate attorney who has practiced in Beverly Hills for 50 years. It would mean that the city is at a standstill. Uh, the the best thing that could happen, and I, I'm obviously not practicing what I'm preaching here because I'm staying in California for the time being, but as for, uh, and they are, the, the to a large extent, the tax base is leaving. There's a staggering uh, debt now in California under uh, the uh, the truly despicable uh, governor of the city of the state of uh, California. The permit moratorium would be among the most concrete consequences of California's attempt in recent years to push cities to allow for new housing, including in wealthy communities that have long resisted it. That's right. I mean, but you see, they don't, care, they don't care about free or unfree. They care about rich and non-rich. This is why they're Marxists. They divide the world by, by class, not by right and wrong, but by rich and poor. And now they're cultural Marxists. They divide it between races as the uh, sta- staggeringly backward, foolish statement of the New England Patriots coach exemplified the one that I played for you earlier. If what is it? If you don't see race, that's racism. Is that what? Huh? No. Wait. We got we got the exact quote. I got to memorize it. Take a look. Few, if any, places are more famous for their luxury than Beverly Hills, where entrepreneurs such as Jeff Bezos and entertainers such as Leonardo DiCaprio and Taylor Swift own mansions. Opulent hotels attract well-heeled visitors and glamorous boutiques make Rodeo Drive one of the most expensive shopping strips in the world. Mind you, I never lived in Beverly Hills. In my 40 years in L.A., I have no desire to live in Beverly Hills, but it doesn't matter. People want to live there, let them live there. Who the hell are you to tell people you can't remodel your kitchen because you're not allowing uh, people who don't earn uh, 
much money to have housing. I don't even understand. What, what is it going to entail? And, and who will get those houses? How, how do they choose? Growth has been non-existent. In 1970, the population of Beverly Hills was 33,000. Today, it's 32,000. Okay, so what? So it's sort of an island of opulence. Why, why is that wrong? I don't, I don't understand. Why is it wrong? The whole leftist enterprise is, is built on resentment of people who have more. I don't resent them having $150 million mansions. I see, no, I see absolutely no reason for one other than to tell the world how rich you are. But that's what freedom allows. Freedom allows people to spend $150 million on a house. Okay. Why does that hurt my life? I don't, I don't quite get it. Why is that wrong? I, I understand, oh, in some cosmic sense, you know, the desire to tell the world how rich you are is not a noble one. Okay, so what? That's between the person and God. It's not my business to tell them you can't do that. The Dennis Prager Show. As you know, Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their life. So, he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza Sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Giza Dream Sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets. You'll receive a set for as low as $29.98. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Podcast Square, use the promo code Prager. There you'll find not only this offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and now even flannel sheets, and so much more. Call 800-761-6302, use the promo code Prager. Go to MyPillow.com, make sure you use the promo code Prager. Hello, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. Carol in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hello to you. It's an honor to speak with you, Mr. Prager. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Um, two quick points. One is this judge who pats himself in the back so much and thinks he's so glorious is damaging the tradespeople. All these truck drivers and tile layers and masoners and plumbers and all of them will actually have their income reduced because of him. So keep patting yourself in the... Your, your, your point is extremely well taken. Uh, I My field of study was communism. I was at the Russian Institute of Columbia University, my graduate work. And I knew very early on that the communists cared about workers as much as I care about porcupines. The feminists care about women as much as I care about porcupines. The black civil rights groups care about blacks as much as I care about porcupines. All leftist groups use the group. Teachers unions use students to further leftist agendas. Civil rights groups use minorities 
to further leftist agendas. Feminists use women to further feminist agendas. That's all this is about. This judge cares about the plumber in, in Beverly Hills, or probably doesn't live in Beverly Hills, but works there as much as I do again about porcupines. See, most decent people don't understand the indecent. So this sounds like I made it up. It, it, it's, it seems unreal. How could that be? Feminists don't give a damn about women. I said this all of my life. That's correct. Or not feminists, feminism. There are feminists who care about women. As there one feminist organization that has defended women against men who say they're women going into women's shelters, women's prisons, women's sports. Can you name one feminist national organization for women? Has it spoken out on behalf of women? Who ruined uh, children's lives in the United States more than teachers' unions? No one. Okay. But they own the media. The left runs the media. So people don't hear what I'm saying. That's, that's a tragedy. So it is a tragedy. Because if you hear this, whoa, maybe, maybe these anti-leftists are right. That's correct. I'm Dennis Prager, and we continue. The Dennis Prager Show. So, ladies and gentlemen, I have a list of my favorite people in my life. And one of them, and it's it's a very, uh, it's, I'm going to say, is it a small list? I have a lot of people I love. This man especially, Lee Habib, who's been on with me for many years. That's right. There he is in ovation. Lee Habib. <laughs> Lee, I, it, I throw curveballs at guests all the time. So, but I, I, you're such a good catcher. I'm not. I'm not afraid or hitter, if you will. I can take your speed. I can take a slider. <laughs> that's, that's right. But this is a screwball. Okay. Ooh. Because sometimes I'm a screwball. Okay. My theory about you, among many, is, and if I'm wrong, tell me, I suspect you sleep well at night. Eight hours a night. It infuriates my wife every day, all my life. I can't. I'm so happy I asked the question. Why the hell does that infuriate your wife? Oh, because she can't had, sleep. Well, until recently, she she's had had a hard time sleeping. Yeah, well, and, it's a very, it's a big male female difference, actually. Well, they worry when the baby doesn't come home at night, and I sleep like a they, baby. Yeah, but baby right, but uh, you don't have babies now. So the uh, here's my theory. You know what women do when they're thinking? They review conversations. You know what men think about? Batting averages. <laughs> I think that's it. You nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. I whole thesis, by the way. You can't get a PhD for that, but it's substantive <laughs> and it's final. Exactly. That's right. Uh, my wife and I were at the Habib's house in, in Mississippi a few months ago. We had a magnificent time when I spoke there. And you, you have a, a terrific uh, 
program at the University of Mississippi, which is going to spread to the country. But I want to talk to you about your magnificent series, Our American Story. So, folks, so many people ask me, Dennis, can you can you have a, you know, periodically just bring good news? And it's a very fair request. I, 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 I get it. This is not so much good news as it is inspiring true stories about America. Is that fair to summarize what you're doing? I I would say, and I wouldn't limit it to inspiring stories. You know, the last day of Lincoln's life, which we spend an hour on, the last 24 hours of his life is not inspiring. It's tragic. The first day that he's happy in as long as his wife can remember, the first day, the night before they had celebrated the illumination, Lee had surrendered, the greatest war, the greatest man-made disaster in American history had ended. Lincoln had aged, he had lost his son, he hadn't smiled, the wife and he are taking a carriage ride that day, and she says, we are gonna be happy. And he says, yes, it's time for us to finally be happy. I'll soon be going to Springfield. I can't wait to practice law at Springfield and one day see the Pacific. They go to see a play that night, a comedy. And in bus, one of the most famous actors of his day and blows his head off and he gets carried down the stairs into a rain and misty filled street uh, only to live another three hours and never enjoy that joy, never, never pursue it. So sometimes our stories have deeply tragic uh, narratives that people respond to. We can't tie that up and make it neat in a bow. Uh, We have one of the great uh, Gettysburg and Lincoln historians to tell that story. We actually have a Lincoln uh, animator and impersonator uh, who does it as well. And and, and you cry when you hear the story. Um, And so we try to inspire, but we also try to educate. And story, look, you're an Old Testament guy. Where where would the Old Testament be without the stories? There would be Um, five pages. (laughs) <laughs> five pages. So I love the argument and I love the debate. I went to a great law school, but there's nothing like the well-positioned story to change a person's mind or allow a person to walk into that story because that's the power of the Bible. All right, we're going to take a break. Tell people how to access it. Sure, just anywhere you get your podcast. It's Our American Stories. And uh, again, Our American Stories and wherever you get your podcast. And we have a link at DennisPrager.com. Back in a moment with the man I really adore, Lee Habib. Lee Habib, who is a uh, a, a living planet. <laughs> How is that, Lee? Is that an accurate description of you? <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, my wife would say I hog up a lot of the bed. So, you know. <laughs> By the way, Dennis, I might add, the reason my wife is so irritated, starting about five years ago, and this is getting way too personal, but I wake up in the middle of the night to take a little potty break. I come back and fall right back asleep, but I wake her up every night at three. She doesn't fall asleep. Oh, no. Oh, my. Oh. Well, she's a, she is a light sleeper. She is. Or you, or you wake up very noisily, but I, I won't pursue that. I, I, could be I, both. Could be both. Yeah, could be both. <laughs> yeah. Lee, Lee Habib has this one of the truly magnificent gems in American media and it's our American stories and again you can you can get it at the link at dennisprager.com or wherever you uh, listen uh, to podcasts how many years have you been doing this now 
We started it about seven years ago with one affiliate. We got picked up by iHeartMedia on the national level at, at night, and then their podcast division just killed it. So we've been at it seven years, and uh, we are at 10 million downloads and, and, and growing. And uh, I think it, it's attributable to how we do the show, which is I'm not in it much, Dennis. Our team interviews people for two to three hours. We put music beneath it, and we treat it like like old school radio theater, like a documentary without the pictures. We have an act, a second act, and a third act to every story. We have musical breaks, sasuras, pauses, and uh, it's actually beautiful to listen to when we're a nonprofit. It's expensive to do, uh, but it's really paid off. Uh, oh, I didn't realize I didn't realize you were a nonprofit. That's fascinating. Yep. Yep. So. Do you personally supervise every single one, or is that impossible? Nope. I, we record every single one I, I listen to, hear, and, and I do the introductions, which I do, and then the outros, tying it all together for listeners, I do as well. But I have a remarkable team of storytellers and historians and contributors, just like with PragerU, where people want in. We have the, the most wide array of folks, because we also do sports. We believe sports is a business. Look, NASCAR started in the moonshining world. Yeah, I read that. That cracked me up. It's a terrific piece. Um, and, and so many other parts of American life. My favorite was our is our remarkable story about Duke Ellington told by the late, great Terry Teachout. It is one of the most beautiful but tragic stories you've ever heard. And, and we don't shy away from how Duke felt about race in America. But he wasn't one of these Malcolm X types. He triumphed despite the racial problems, but it ached his heart to have to walk into the back door of the uh, the 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 uh, the, the, the uh, place in Harlem, the, the the Cotton Club. He had to walk in the back, and the place was a Southern plantation, and only white people were allowed in there. As he played all those years, and he talked about Terry Teachout, how it did about the one time he got to play in the Palladium in London and he's walking in and he's allowed to stay at a world-class hotel through the front door. And he says, you don't know what great pleasure this brings me Mm. that I can finally just walk through a hotel door and be accepted as an equal. And it wasn't a victimology. That's exactly what Frederick Douglass said when he went to England. Had the same same exact experience. That's correct. Yes. In our stories, we don't wipe By the way, forgive me, uh, uh, most people are probably not familiar with Terry Teachout. They surely know about Duke Ellington. Terry Teachout, I didn't even know he passed away, Uh, 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 must be relatively recently, I presume. I read almost everything he wrote. He used to write for commentary, great cultural observer. He knew music so well and, and, and the arts in general. I wonder if he if he died at a young age, or I just didn't realize how old he was when I started reading him. I probably think he was in his mid to late fifties. Uh, I oh, had a good so, relationship. Yes, so he did and, uh, die young. Yeah, he did, and his wife passed too. And and I, I, what, what's remarkable about Terry is so many of the story ideas he gave us. He told me to track down George on my mind and to find out how that song came to be, but more importantly, how this guy Hoagie Carmichael, who wrote it and died made no money from that song until a blind black guy from Georgia decided to break out of black music and record white pop music with his first record outside of Atlantic Records. And then in the next record, he did a country music record 
because he loved both and he wanted to put his own take on both of those albums. The story of George on my mind is so quintessentially American because a blind black man recorded a dead white guy's song and made the dead white guy's estate millions of dollars and made the world a better place. By the way, the left would call that cultural appropriation. That's what's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) I I only know about the song through Willie Nelson. Right, right. And, uh, but that's what we try to do is, you know, you know the story, but you don't know the rest of the story. We yeah, well, this that. is, so, uh, so now I want to ask you the uh, sort of a $64,000 question. Sure. Uh, I know you, you not acknowledged and correctly that there are sad stories. Obviously, there's no such thing as only happy stories or even only inspiring stories. However, I got to believe that over seven years of stories about our American story and stories, it has to affect you to see the decline in America that's taking place as you live. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but am I right? It, it, it does, but it doesn't, because I've seen what we've also gone through. I mean, Reconstruction, Dennis, compared to now, I don't know how they got through that. I don't. You'd have the country hating the other half of the country. Look, I just told you about John Wilkes Booth. He jumped onto a stage, shot the president, jumped onto his horse, thinking and believing with good reason that he'd be welcome in the South as a conquering hero. His last words were six Semper Tyrannus. That's right. You know, after the Revolutionary War, we do a story about Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin and his son were very close. He was a rare man. He raised his illegitimate child at a time when no one would have. When he grows up, William is the royal governor of New Jersey. Ben is about to sign the Declaration of Independence. Ben says to William, you better join the Patriot side. I can't protect you. William says to his father, I can't protect you, Dad. All right, we're coming back. We're coming back. No peace, no peace I find. Just an old sweet song. Georgia on my mind. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, everybody. Go to your calls in a moment. I just want to thank Lee Habib. Lee, uh, you, you, you know the affection that I have for you, and I won't, I won't belabor the point Listeners may not want to hear it for, for as long as I want to talk about it. Lee Habib has started this Our American Stories. 
anywhere you hear a podcast, but you could link to it just right now at the DennisPrager.com. How, is it every day? Every day, two hours a day. And we're four, three to four stories every day. Wow. And you just don't run out. How do you, how do you, uh, one final question. How do you come up with the ideas? We have a team that looks into various areas. We have historians in each of the areas. They suggest them to us. Then it's our audience that's suggesting even better ones. The bigger the show's gotten, the more great ideas have come from the wisdom of the crowds, Dennis. And by the way, we're going to, you know, in the end, it's up to us to take back our country. I mean, we gave away our schools, right? We, we didn't pay attention. And, you know, just a final note of optimism. I'm seeing stuff happening in the States and listeners to your show, listeners to ours saying, we're reconnecting with our country. We're alert. We're awake. We're upset. We don't like the trends, but it's our country to take back. It's our work to do. That's and the exactly good news right. is I think our citizens are doing it. When they, when they do an American story about you, I, I volunteer to be the reader. <laughs> <laughs> Done. We'll do it. I love you, Lee. Our American <laughs> stories. I know you do. Thank you. Okay, speak to you soon. Thank you. Yes, sir. He is a one, one truly wonderful human being. That's my. Uh, that's how life has paid me for my work, bringing wonderful people into my life. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Okay, Arlington Heights, Illinois, James. Hello. Yes. Hello? Yes. Hi. Hi. Uh, well, first of all. Uh, God bless you for everything you do, because one thing you do, and uh, I listen to the station 560 in our, um, AM in the Midwest, all you people, I tell you, you all use your brain. You, you, every, guy, every person on the station. I might not always agree with everything, but at least you guys are thinking. But the thing I wanted to mention quick was this keeps going through my mind every day. Is um, In Isaiah 520, it says, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I often think of God looking at earth and saying to himself, do they never learn? We return. The Dennis Prager Show. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager here. There isn't a day that goes by that I do not somehow get to Breitbart News. Uh, It's one of the most important uh, websites in the world, in my opinion, and it's certainly one of the most visited. And its editor-in-chief is Alex Marlowe. This is really funny, because the last time I was on with Alex Marlowe, you were interviewing me. It really doesn't matter. It's a very funny thing. If I interview you or you interview me, it's sort of the same result. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just issues get fleshed out. It, things get fleshed out, a conversation gets had. Yeah. I, I think that's a, we all grow a little bit, hopefully. Hopefully we have a laugh or two. No, it's, it is interesting because I was on air as a host for seven or eight years. So, you know, you conduct thousands of interviews in that amount of time. And I, I've been off air for six months and I've only been in the guest chair pretty much with the one exception of when I go to an event like where, where we were at Turning Point, the Phoenix event. And it's really, it, it is a different start to the interview, but then eventually they all kind of get to the same place. That's exactly my point, yeah. yes, which is perfect and, 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 and fine. The, the excuse for having Alex Marlowe on 
is that the paperback edition of his latest book, Breaking the News, Exposing the Establishment Media's Hidden Deals and Secret Corruption, uh, has just come out. It's got a new forward. Again, the book, Breaking the News, which is a great pun. Thank you. Yeah, yes, they break the news. They, In fact, you know my single biggest view of the left mm-hmm. They break everything. Yes, they do. Of course. And it's thankfully, Dennis, thanks to conservative talk radio websites like Breitbart, the public understand this. I mean, the media's approval rating is the lowest of any major institution there is, aside from maybe Congress. Congress might be a little bit worse. Um, And a lot of it's thanks to alternative media stepping up and showing the public what they are all about. So it's an interesting uh, overall question. When you say that the media are held in so such low esteem, yeah, can you name? And this is not meant to make a political point. I'm very curious if you can name an institution, not individuals, an institution that Americans hold in uh, in esteem. Yeah, it's a really interesting question because you would have said the three-letter alphabet agencies until recently, FBI, CIA, etc. Uh, but I really think over the last half decade, those have dipped below probably the Mendoza line, so to speak, in terms of approval. So, uh, But this says so much about uh, what's going on. Is it could you name any? Because I can't. No, think I of can't. Any. I, I was curious if you could. I mean, uh, yeah, the I, universities. I, yeah, I sure. mean, I, I have to say. Uh, a lifetime of calling universities moral cesspools uh, and being somewhat of an outlier yeah. or considered a crank, uh, that's no longer a crank view. I don't think the Supreme Court is terrible, given its current makeup. That, that's the I would give that a slight passing grade, and that's about all I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, that's fair. Did you go to college? Yeah, I did. I went to Berkeley. Yeah. That... It, what did you study? What did you major in? Well, I studied political science and music. Um, and All right, so music was worthwhile. Why the hell did you take political science? Uh, I'd be because I was a card-carrying member of the conservative movement. I'd already inter- interned for Larry Elder. Uh, I went to cause trouble, and uh-huh, and, and I did. Uh-huh. It was the the story, and I'm sure I've shared this with your audience over the years. But the I was a baseball player, and I'd assumed I would go to college for baseball. Um, but I surprisingly got into Berkeley on academics, and I thought, huh. That's an interesting that's an interesting thing because I was already developing as a conservative uh, thinker, I would like to think. And I was a talk radio obsessive and my mom had been to Berkeley. So I was very aware of what it was going to be like. And I went to visit and the conservative uh, club, the College Republicans, which was the only conservative club, very organized. And I thought, oh, wow, you could do a real social experiment here. And it went perfectly. Because I was able to use that experience to get a job with Andrew Breitbart, eventually become editor-in-chief, and get to do all these cool things like talk to you, Dennis. You went to Berkeley. Here's a question. Other than causing uh, mischief, good mischief, was it worthwhile? Did you, did you learn anything? And I don't mean about life and seeing how the left operates. I'm really asking, do you recommend that people outside of the sciences go to college? No, 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 of course not. You're better off spending four years trying to find a job in an in industry you want to work in and getting that uh, getting that baseline experience and the employment experience. You, uh, it's, it's really interesting because I hire young people now at Breitbart, and the people who had gone through the university system are – 
objectively behind the people who decided they want to be in That's team. awesome. Yeah, uh, they're objectively so, behind. Right. Yeah. So in a sense, <laughs> the guy who or the girl who went to college and comes to Breitbart for a job yeah. is even more impressive, not because they went to college and learned anything, yeah. but because they survived college. Yes, and they somehow righted the ship. <laughs> yes, they that's got back right. on track. Yes. So, yeah, you, they, they've been through the nonsense factory and come out and come out with common sense. Absolutely, and I can't tell you how many people at Breitbart have degrees from Harvard, even double Harvard and Stanford, and, and, and they're wonderful, but they're, it's not a clear distinction between their, their right. productivity. Right, if I met them, yeah. I would not know you it. You wouldn't know, necessarily. That's right, That's, yeah. yes, that, I believe that exactly. Yeah, and so if you're not studying something where you feel like you're going to get a career in that field, there's no reason to go. Um, but that's it for me. It wasn't a terrible experience because I do think that the bias was probably less than it is now where it wasn't pure agenda driven. And they're teaching just such nonsense now. I mean, even the subject matters that you can get degrees in what Taylor Swift now. You can get, of course, that's useless. Of course. And people still are suckered into it. Um, but for me, I was able to because I'd honed my. Uh, BS detector, for lack of, of a better expression, through talk radio, I could tend to sift through, this is actually useful and this is not useful. I'll reject this stuff. I'll accept this stuff. Um, I don't know if you can do that anymore because it's been 15 years since I've been on campus. Well, you can't. Uh, I mean, the, the suppression is, is remarkable. I, I have to say uh, the the three, or was it MIT, Penn, and Harvard presidents, three incredibly unimpressive women, Uh, that that is one of the few times in my life that I felt one moment change the country. People, I believe that Harvard's cachet was lost in 10 minutes. I think you're right about this, and it's so refreshing. You know, our mutual friend Joel Pollack, who has two degrees from Harvard and is married to a woman who's a degree from Harvard, um, he has started a scholarship because his uh, his mother-in-law, a woman named Rhoda Kadali, was a famous activist in South Africa. When she passed away in her honor, he created a big scholarship. You would think it would be at Harvard, right? He's got all these degrees in his family from Harvard. No, he did it at Hillsdale. So he made the scholarship at a different college because he knows what Harvard has become. It's deteriorated in this cesspool of Jew hatred and wokeness and nonsense and a waste of time and money. That's such a perfect story. So you have, by the way, I asked you, would you recommend that someone go to college if they're not studying STEM, obviously, science, technology, engineering, math. Uh, So you have now four children. Yes, I do. Your latest is 10 days old. 10 days old. How come your wife looks so terrific? I have no idea. She she she's a superhero. She's a she's not a normal person. Okay, that answers yeah. the question. Yeah, she's not yes. no, and and a STEM person by the way, a medical doctor. So so she had to go to school. So she You married a doctor. Yes. That is so great because yeah. that that's every you're not Jewish, but that's every Jewish parent's dream: either be a doctor or marry a doctor. <laughs> so you married a doctor. Yes, yeah. it, 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 no, it, it's it's great. I love it. I, I do brag about it uh, uh, quite a bit, which is somewhat embarrassing. But I'm I'm a fan of hers. But it is, uh, Dennis. You might recall, and I know Alan does. When I had one child who was 11 months old, I called in to this show as a caller, and I'd been a guest prior to that. And I recommended to everyone have as many kids as possible. I had one 11-month-old, and you asked me some probing questions that made me completely reconsider 
But I ended up <laughs> just, just being I'm, devil's I'm advocate. Panicked. I'm panicked. <laughs> you know, you were, I made you reconsider having a lot of kids? You, you were doing a devil's advocate. You're, oh, okay, you're, you're making me defend my position. Okay. Which was terrific yeah. exercise. Um, but I'm I totally did, on board with that. Yes. No, it's a great line of inquiry. And you do it so effortlessly. It's really unbelievable. Well, that's very sweet of you. But um, yeah. But we're well, up to four. You're, you're living, you're, uh, what is it, walking the walk or whatever the phrase is? It's the exact phrase I've been using. I, I want to walk the walk. I believe that we're only going to save this country with people raising people with good values. And so Well, by the, the way, in that regard, I have a certain smile when I keep reading about how leftists won't have children because of climate change. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what a, what a blessing. Yeah, yeah. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Fine. It's a more 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 opportunity for us, and uh, that's All right, why, let me tell everybody. Yeah, sure. Forgive me. I, I want to promote your book. I really do. He he he's an important, truly important voice in America. Breaking the news is the book. Alex Marlowe is the uh, editor in chief of Breitbart. You should go to Breitbart every day. Just just sign up. It's free, and it's it's magnificent. We'll be back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. Alex Marlowe's book, the Breaking the News about our media, is in uh, is now in paperback, and that, that's the excuse. I don't really need an excuse to have Alex Marlowe on the show, but uh, that is that is the ostensible reason. And the the book is is really important. So you know, well, you really know me well, and I'm honored by that. By the, I just want to just say. That he would call into the show and not just be a guest yeah. is, is a real, real compliment. So, I I have always been preoccupied with the question of why. I, I it's not enough. I, I always say, and it, it's sort of a a laughing at myself. If I had been on the Titanic, my first question would not have been where is where is a a, a life preserver, <laughs> but why are we sinking? <laughs> Uh, that that no really that is how i think yes so the average person in the media the average person at the new york times let's say what makes them tick yeah so there's a few things that i think explain this uh, the first one the most obvious one is they're of the same stock um, they talk a lot about diversity. There's no diversity. They all went to the same institutions. They studied the same things under the same professors. They have the same incentives. So they go to the same parties. They see the same people. They get slapped on the back for the same stuff. That's why their opinions are interchangeable. This was pretty clear to me from listening to people like you and Larry and my favorite talk show hosts growing up. But when I started working for Andrew Breitbart when I was 21 years old, and I w would task myself with trying to read every paper in the world as much as I could. I, I realized I was reading the same article over and over and over again because it's the same. It's just a div the Boston Globe's version and the AP's version, the New York Times version, LA Times. It's all the same story. The, these people have the same exact perspective. So uh, it is a bubble. It's the ultimate bubble. That's number one. And the bubble are people who are universally educated, uh, university educated. So they're going to be liberals. And that's where they come from. Um, but what breaking the news does is it pushes it a little further. It's not just liberal bias. It's actually the people who have controls over our newsrooms are globalist corporate entities. Take NBC News. NBC is part of NBC Comcast Universal. So NBC Comcast Universal does huge business in China. ABC, ABC Disney. 
Do you think they're going to put Disney is going to task people with getting truly to the bottom of the coronavirus pandemic? They're going to investigate the China Wuhan lab. And so that the Chinese kick them out of their country, which they've done. And I go through that in the book with the example of Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg was the most obsequious to communist China of any entity, period. And they still eventually mostly get kicked out. And this is one of the things that happens. Any accurate reporting on the corporate media establishment, the threat to the corporate status quo, is actually what drives most newsrooms even more than their liberalism. So what, what is so that was NBC. So and what's what's the New York Times reason? So the New York Times board, it's all people from Facebook and AIG and the biggest banks and universities. And so it's all basically a front to preserve the status quo the way it is. And it means they all have an easy life. It means they all are non-threatened. There is a, no confrontation with anyone they ever see. They don't know who we are. We know them. We discuss this together in Phoenix. And we read them. We know exactly what they're thinking. Yeah, they have no idea what we're thinking. one of my mottos in life. And this is why they're shocked every time Republicans win. That's or right. Yeah. It's because, like, well, who are these people? Well, there's right. tens of millions of us, maybe 100 million of us. And, and, and we know what you guys every do. Every major media outlet in America attacked uh, PragerU in the last year. Yeah. I mean, big attack, huge articles attacking us. Every article was the same. Yes. Every article cited the exact same videos. There is no, I, not only no doubt, I, I would bet my house that not a single person who wrote any of these columns, except for one person who claims they watched all our videos so that you don't have to, but not, it's hard to believe that they did. They all choose the same two videos to attack. Yes. It, it, the cookie cutter nature of their writing. If I know the Washington Post piece, I know the L.A. Times, I know the New York Times, I know the Boston Globe, I know the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. No wonder they're closing. All you need is to read one of them. It's one. Yeah, that's it. And this is such an obvious point, but it's one that they don't appreciate, that this is the reason why they're declining, is that there is no differentiation from one paper to the next. And you can just get the AP and the New York Times and you're done. And you don't need anything else because... So the Columbia yeah. University School of Journalism, which is as which means nothing to me, but it's the most prestigious yes. of the journalism schools, to my shock, wrote a scathing, gigantic report on how much the New York Times and Washington Post lied with regard to the Russian collusion sure. story. Yes. So back to my analysis of these people. Do you think the average person at the New York Times knows what the Columbia Journalism Review did? Um, that's a great question. I bet not. And wow. but, but But one thing that's interesting about the Columbia Journalism Review is if they get one right, they get one right years later. This is one of their tactics, is they don't get it right in the moment. They won't take a bold stand. They wait until it's sort of safe. They're not going to get, they're not going to be given too hard of a time. Um, but more noteworthy to me in this is not only did all the frauds, the New York Times, the Washington Post, who got everything wrong, which is thoroughly documented in Breaking the News about the Russia collusion hoax, to the point where it's laugh- you're laughing by the end of certain sections and how wrong they were. Not only did no one get fired, Dennis, they got a Pulitzer, Pulitzer, Prize. Pulitzer Prizes, the highest honor in journalism. And that to me just, if you're at all uh, a person who can form an independent thought, that is your cue to reject what these people are doing. When you said, uh, you don't know, I, I think I'm bleeding from biting my lip not to have interve- inter- <laughs> interfered with your comments. 
when you said they get it right later, yeah. one of my understandings of life is this: the liberal, and this is not just the leftist, the liberal in particular, recognizes evils later. Yeah. They, the trick was to call communism evil when it was powerful. Yes. Now everybody says, oh, of course, Stalinism and Maoism, they, they were evil. The trick is to call Hamas evil now. Yes, that's right. Not 10 years from now. We'll yeah. be back in a moment. You must read the book, Breaking the News, up at DennisPrager.com. And Alex Marlowe is the editor-in-chief of the great site Breitbart. You know how I know, by the way, did I tell you this? There's a good chance I did. I hope I didn't so that you hear it as a surprise. <laughs> Do you know how I know how many readers you have? Uh, the comment section. That's right. Yeah. It's got to be the biggest on the internet. There's got to be. The only rival, and it does, it, 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 and its second place to you was the New York Times. Yeah. Because uh, there will be pieces that get 2,000 comments, but that's normal for you. Yeah. Uh, that is an astonishing achievement. Yeah, thank you. I agree. And um, it's also, we'll do a shout out to my sister, Molly, who's the uh, comment moderator. Uh, the, uh, so she used to go through all of them. Does she ever sleep? Um, no, she sleeps, but she's got a team. Like she, she had to build out it before she could sleep. Like she had to, we had to build out a whole so team. So I love that. Your sister yeah. works at, uh, at My whole at family Pride does. Pro- yeah. My, really? Yeah. My mom's a copy editor and, and a uh, junior political editor. And my dad is a, uh, is a homepage editor in the evenings. So it's a whole, whole family thing. It's, it's really important because people try to infiltrate, you know, people try to destroy what we're doing. And when you have people who, you know, are of high character, they get put to the front of the line uh, in terms of who are, who are going to bring in. But your point about the comments is we did an interview with President Trump a couple of weeks ago and we did multiple stories on it. Uh, if you add up all the comments on the stories, it's hundreds of thousands of comments. And wow. that's the type of exposure for people. A- and you've got to believe. What, what is, do you have a theory for every commenter? How many readers are there? I can't, I got to believe maybe five percent, maybe comment, probably yeah, less. It's probably one or two percent. Yes, actually, yes, comment. yeah. <clears throat> so multiply that by essentially a hundred. Yeah, and and gives you an idea of how many people just on any given article. Yeah. So that, that's a that's a big influence. Do you know the age of your reader? Um, there, I don't know off the top of my head what it would be. I, I would assume it's you know younger than Fox and older than TikTok. This is somewhere in there. That, that's good. That, that's a pretty that's good range. Right. Um, but it's 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 a diverse readership, and we're the biggest news website on Instagram, also, which is really interesting. We're bigger than the New York Times and the Washington Post combined. And it's very, very powerful thing. And it's what I predicted that because it's sort of a millennial focused platform. I wouldn't have predicted that, that a conservative news outlet would be that way. But we are. And it's all it's all true grassroots. We don't do any advertising. Uh, not to say that if my bosses aren't listening, we, sh- we should. Maybe we should. But we don't do any. It's all just people coming and sharing our content. Apropos of media, you will. I think you'll find this fascinating. In fact, I should send this to you. I don't know how this happened, but somehow it came up on my own internet searching. A piece I wrote in 2004, mm. so 20 years ago, for the LA Times. Do you, you will, the, the reason I am I'm mentioning this is to show what has happened to the media. The LA Times, my whole life, has been liberal. 
but it wasn't as leftist as it is today. Yeah. They regularly had me on their opinion page. Yeah. Regularly. Yes. And that's just 20 years ago. Right. And and this is one place where the media has truly changed is it used to be that they would at least offer up the other perspective from time to time to inform their audience on where some people they who, had yeah. column right sure. and column left yes and and now that's grounds for cancellation just the idea of publishing non-woke thought in a mainstream well tell everybody now. the new york times story well they well, fired their editor for having a one uh Republican senator write a column. Absolutely. And then they hire conservatives who, to me and you, are weak in the knees. And they well, weak in get... the knees. Oh, good. Forgive me. I, 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 there's so much I wanted. Uh, you know. So <laughs> of course, forgive no, me. It's a pleasure. Do you know David French? I don't mean personally. I know his, his, uh, his well, canon. Okay. So they took him as, as if we're having a conservative yes. columnist. Yes. He is more anti Trump than any of the leftists writing there. He is obsessed with the man. And that's all of his notoriety is from hating Trump. Okay. But he's not sufficiently left for the left papers. And that is new. Well, that's interesting. We'll be back in a moment. The book is Breaking the News. Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, Every single day, become a member of Pragertopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at Pragertopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.